implying that I knew Bray would speak out against us? What could I possibly hope to gain by such an action? Bray has considerable appeal. The blood of Zoot runs in his veins. And you are a woman. I am the Supreme Mother. How dare you! And I am the guardian of the cause. And I will destroy all those who seek to divert its path, regardless of their status. Welcome to Series 3, Episode 4 of Conversations on Eagle Mountain, a podcast about the tribe. I'm your host, Lance, and joining the podcast panel today is Liz. Hello. Sabine. Hi. And Carlin. Hello. With episode notes done by Matt and myself. So Series 3, Episode 4, the screenplay was done by Joe Boyle. It was directed by John Reed. And the episode synopsis read out by Liz. Angry at Bray's speech, the Guardian decrees that he will be executed and that Trudy will be the one to do it. Lex and Ebony make contact with the mall rats and May suggests a new course of action to Celine. All right, so the Guardian blames Trudy and her womanly wing. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> that always makes me laugh. The Guardian blames Trudy and her womanly weakness for Bray's disastrous speech and threatens her despite her status as Supreme Mother, but says she can prove her allegiance by reuniting Bray with Suit. So yeah, that's quite the opener. Uh, what did you think of the interplay between Trudy and the Guardian this episode, including the threat that even she isn't safe to hide behind her status? She will never be able to do enough to make this guy trust her. And I think she's finally realizing that. Like, think about Trudy. She did the big test. She was separated from her child. She led her friends to their downfall. She did all this. It was a test to prove her loyalty to the Chosen, you know, to protect Brady, to protect herself, all of that jazz. And even it didn't, it wasn't enough. He's never satisfied with her, you know, because I think during that time, the Guardian recognized what a threat Trudy was to him. And so there's nothing she will ever be able to do. And it's very easy for him to blame her for everything that goes wrong rather than take any like ownership for his choices or his poor judgment. It always goes back to Trudy. You know, she's who we can take out his frustrations on and the failures on. And it just, I'm like, has this been going on the whole time? Every time that something went wrong with the chosen, he'd get her alone and just blame her for it, you know? And I, I just like being able to see. Because in season two, you don't see this after she comes back. You, it looks like they're a team and they're working together and all that jazz. And now you get to see the truth that they've never been a team. He's still constantly abusing her, still threatening her, still, you know, always promising to use his power over her and making sure she knows she's never actually safe or secure. How can anybody be in their right mind in this situation? Like if you were Trudy, there's just no way you could ever think clearly about anything in this state of emotion all the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. I mean, the fact that he uses all of this against her and just reminds her that, yeah, you know, it's funny that you think you have any power, but you don't because I can take that away just as quickly as I want to. And, you know, with this, it's a reminder to her that no matter what she does, she will never be safe. Her child will never be safe. And yes, he's just left at his mercy. Mm-hmm. And he just loves reminding her of that. And he hates being wrong in anything. So taking it out on someone weaker, someone dependent on him, 
it's probably the only thing that makes him feel good about himself. Yeah, the look on Trudy's face let me knew that she just came to terms. She's like, oh my god, I'm such an idiot <laughs> for following this fool, uh, betraying my friends, because this guy is literally crazy. I mean, like, I think she knew he was crazy before, but this guy, like, took crazy to a whole new level. Like, now he's the definition of crazy. And um, I don't know, I feel that in, in her, in her, this whole conversation, you know, the look on her face with that. So, mm-hmm. no one to blame but her. <laughs> I don't feel bad for it. No sympathy? Nope. She doesn't have a choice. You always have a choice. I do have empathy for her. I, I, I do. I'm, again, I can have empathy and not justify everything she's done mm. and be like, oh, it's totally okay that she did these things and that people are going to suffer for her actions. I, I can have empathy for her and still be like, it was wrong, you know, and that she does have blood mm. on her hands. I just, um, I guess I'm a little less... I, I don't want to pass as hard a judgment on her because her situation is so unique. I've never been in a situation like this one. Having my children used against me like this in a world where I have literally no one I can truly depend on to help protect them. You know, I've never been in that sort of situation. So I can't tell you the kind of person I would be if you were threatening my kids and there was nobody I could turn to to keep them safe. <laughs> And uh, I don't, I, I'm pretty sure I could be driven to do some pretty dark things. Mm-hmm. And um, so I, I can't be like, oh, I would never do what Trudy did. And it's completely inexcusable. It's wrong, but I do have empathy for her situation. I mean, she is a victim at the end of the day. She's a kidnapped victim at the end of the day. And uh, I've never been kidnapped. So I'm not going to sit here and judge somebody's actions who has been, <laughs> been tortured and abused. Mm-hmm through that kidnapping um she clearly needs to be taken out (laughs) and straightened out obviously she can't be left to live like this and keep doing what she's doing but she is a victim at the end of the day you know that's very true liz but no pity party over here (laughs) fine it's okay you don't have to (laughs) no no i I don't agree with your lack of sympathy carlin i just can't it's yeah i know i'm biased (laughs) But, you, you are Trudy. That's why you're biased. <laughs> I'm, it's just, you know, she has to think. She's not even just putting herself first. She's putting her child first. And if she had done anything else, if she would have chosen, you know, uh, Bray over her own child, people would have had an opinion about that and judged her on that. Nah, that's fine. But No, it's, no, it's not. not. <laughs> and it's a no-win situation. People, yeah, and like Liz said, she knows she has no one to fall back on because they have proven this. Mm-hmm. Even when that little baby was kidnapped, nobody even cared about it. So they would never risk anything to protect her child. She is the only one willing to protect her child. Mm. So what you all are telling me right now is that once this is all over and we've beaten the Chosen, will you put Trudy on trial for everything she's done? a very difficult question um how many no no i think it's a very cogent question of what do you do when a victim starts to victimize other people like how do you deal with that in a court of law you imprison them you know that's the only way you deal with it uh i guess it really depends on your form of justice you know i'm more of a restorative justice kind of person and um 
I, uh, I, I do think it's a really, I mean, it's too soon to have this conversation about Trudy, but, um, it's a good question. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. And I don't think there's any straight answer. And I don't think you're going to get a bunch of people to have the same answer about how this be dealt with. You know, it's like, do you, it's why we have insanity pleas in court because, or why we have so many different levels of what murdering a person is. There's first degree, there's second degree, there's manslaughter, there's crimes of passion. And because we understand that each one requires a different way of thinking about the life that was taken. Mm-hmm. You know, they're not yeah. all the same. So I think it's a great question, Carlin, but I do not think there is any easy answer to it whatsoever. I'm, I'm, I'm with you on the Trudy part, Carlin. I, I do think the punishment, the justice, if you want to call it that, um, after what happens wasn't handled that greatly but i mean that's something yeah we'll discuss we'll definitely have a whole episode on it on just that because it is a big topic to go through awesome i'll leave it at that but i mean i mean let's let's just stick with you Colin, because you said you haven't got much empathy for trudy but what about the next bit like the guardian like demands proof of her allegiance by saying that she herself must kill bray like do you have no sympathy not empathy for that situation why would i the, the love of her life um you know what i mean you know the history between bray and trudy like you don't think that that doesn't touch you at all if trudy has to or i guess kill bray yeah that from what you guys are saying quote unquote being forced to kill bray um to protect her child yeah you don't you don't see that the difficulty yeah. the, the situation you don't see. i felt that early in this episode that trudy was uh aware that her allegiance will never be clear or will never be enough for these group of individuals who believe in something that is not there so her being put in this situation i feel like it's her fault and her having to make this difficult decision is it's it's still her her fault i i do feel for her in this moment when she realizes that it's bray or brady you know um yeah mm. You know, like, I, I can't imagine being told I had to kill my mom or I had to kill my daughter. You know, I like, I, I can't yeah. imagine being put in that situation. I know what my mother would want me. Or your husband or your child. My husband you know? would be super easy. But anyway, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah, but, yeah, I feel like some of those decisions <laughs> could be easy. Could be easier. But it I, depends on the person. I just, I can't imagine being in that situation. And, um. I that how horrid that is that and I know what my other loved one would want me to choose I know that you know if it was my brother or my parents I know they would be like you have to pick the kids you know I know that but it wouldn't make it any easier to make that decision you know and Mm. and to know and for Trudy she also knows this is simply a punishment that's all it is it's it's not like it's it's because I do think in some ways the Guardian didn't care about how Bray died. He just wanted him gone. But this is his way of personally punishing Trudy because she's let it slip that she cares about Bray. I mean, that's why he's calling her out on it. He's mocking her, you know, and her womanly weakness, you know, like he's not dumb. He, um, he gets it. He gets that she cares about this guy. And this is his way of punishing her, making her kill someone that he knows for a fact that she cares about 
and pulling it as a test of loyalty and blah, blah, blah. And, and Trudy must know that, you know, and, oh, it's just, it's a sucky place to be and to realize this is where you, how it's never going to end. She thought she could just play this game and she and Brady would survive and maybe eventually get away. And here she is now. She's never getting away from these people. No one's ever going to save her. She can't depend on anyone to get her out of this and she will never be safe here. And her daughter will never be safe. It'll never end with Jaffa. And it's like, even if she does this, I know in Trudy's mind, she realizes, even if I pass this test and I cold-heartedly take out Bray, he will just put another one in front of me mm-hmm. the next time he's mad at me. You know, it'll never end. You know, and yeah, like, ugh, I don't think anyone should have to make that decision, you know. I did like that tiny moment in the scene, though, where Trudy thought for a split second she could stand up to him and tell him, how dare you? How dare you accuse me of having done this? You know, it's only to regret it within seconds. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Jaffa's so petty. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> His response is really, yeah, you know, I elevated you to that position. So, um, yeah, I gave it to you. I can take it away. Can, exactly. You can take it right back. <laughs> I, 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 can send, <laughs> I can reunite you with suit if I want to. Mm-hmm. I mean, it really would be kind of different if her doing this actually did prove her allegiance to Jaffa. Like, you know, with gang members, where like you you gotta kill someone and get your teardrop tattoo, and from then on, the gang trusts you. Mm. You know what I mean? Like, that's all you had to do. I mean, it's horrible, but I'm just saying, like, you at least know that. Like, this is what mm-hmm. I had to do, and now I've got the gang. They've got my back. We're family, and that's it. They're not gonna keep testing you, you know. Or you might have a gang where you don't kill people, but like. You just beat up people and that you got to be jumped in. And so, you know, I just have to take this beating, but now I'm one of the family. But it's like with Jaffa, like he, this isn't about proving her allegiance. He'll still yeah. never believe her yeah. no matter what this he makes This would never be the proof. He, yeah. It so I'm just like, Jaffa, you are so petty. <laughs> mm-hmm. I just want to hurt her. You, he, I really do believe Jaffa fell in love with having somebody he could take his aggression out on and abuse daily because he never yeah. treats the other chosen like this. He likes this. He loves being able to do this to Trudy. He I think he hates them. women. I think that's what I, it is. He yeah. definitely has problems with women. I agree. And I'm glad you brought this up because uh, we'll see later on in the episode. He he he, he is very petty. As <laughs> we'll see with the more mm-hmm. rats later on as well. So we're going to touch on that again, definitely. And again, it makes me wonder what Jaffa thought about Trudy when they were at school together. Because his behavior with Trudy from the moment she was kidnapped has always been creepy and unsettling. And mm-hmm. just, I would love to know what he thought of her when they were just at school, you know, because he mm. kind of almost treats her like the hot girl he couldn't get in school mm. sometimes, you know, like he there's this need to possess her. And it's so unsettling, his relationship with Trudy. It's ugh. I think maybe we can say that because of those flashback episodes were basically from Trudy and Martin's perspective that we can say that Jaffa was such a uh, a fly on the wall. Like she never cared for mm-hmm. him, never paid attention to him. And I don't know, maybe as a fan, there's no proof to it. But I feel like that made him upset that nobody, especially Trudy of all people, especially now that she is like the the bride of Zoot or whatever never paid attention to him 
Oh, there's so many theories on that. I was going to yeah. say, I kind of feel the opposite. I don't think he was in, interested in Trudy at all. I no, I don't think he's interested I, at all, I, but he, I, he's mad. It was always Zoot. Yeah, yeah, exactly. He wanted Zoot. He wanted Zoot. He wanted Zoot. And he was, ew, why <laughs> would he spend his time on her? Why would he do that with her? Has he not seen my hair? Yeah. <laughs> that's more yeah, exactly. That's more the feel I get, yeah. I don't think he was attracted to Trudy in the typical sense. No, no, that's no. not what no, I'm saying. Maybe, but no. for, for example, that moment in the cave when he's trying to comfort her and he goes to caress her face and she turns in disgust and the way he catches himself. I just think there's a strange obsession with Trudy, a desire to own her, to control her. They may have not you know, may have nothing to do with attraction, but there is something about Trudy, you know, from the start that I just, I wish I knew what Jaffa thought of her before all this started, because it's a very odd behavior that he showed her in that cave. Mm -hmm. And I mean, now their dynamic is set, you know, and this is where he likes things to be. His joy at abusing her, his sadism with Trudy, you know, and I'm just, it, I just get a sense of ownership that he wants from her but i'm like why why do you want it from this young woman you know because he is the toy that martin had that he couldn't have yeah i well i, I think in a psychology she was, she, level, yeah i think on a psychology level it was uh you idolizing someone so much to the point where you want to be them mm-hmm. and you, once you have something of theirs you try to i guess uh, control it in a way that they once had. And again, he's from the outside looking in at Trudy and Martin's relationship, which was not a happy <laughs> relationship. And I think he saw how unhappy Trudy was. So I think that's what he takes pride in making her unhappy. Yeah, he might yeah. just be a jealous. <laughs> like, that could just yeah. be it. like, I wanted yeah. you, but he wanted you. You rejected him. I will never forgive you for rejecting yeah. what I wanted. And, um, <laughs> Pretty I, I much. Be, I, I would kind of not be surprised if he still holds the fact that Zoot went to her and then died. If he holds that against her, I mean, if it had not been for Trudy and that baby, no, I'm just picturing Zoot might be alive. A drunk Jaffa and and Zoot, like Zoot, just taking a moment to lament the girl that got away, and Jaffa's just like, Duh, like she's not good enough for you. You need. <laughs> You need someone like who like listens to you and sees you, you know, and then he gets maybe a little too close and dude's like, dude, man. <laughs> imagine imagine Drake's Marvin room, only only Jaffa thinking about Zoot. <laughs> oh god. There's a lot to unpack of the Guardian. <laughs> yeah, we'll come back to this later. Could you tell us then? That... Do you mind? It's just kinda of... Relax. What? I'm gonna be a dad. Congratulations, pal. Luke sends Ryan out on a work party to the farm, where he's followed by Lex and Ebony, who return to the city. They share information, including Bray's impending execution, and Lex gives Ryan a special message to take back to Sai San. Yeah, I mean, just kind of briefly, panel. Like, what did you make of that little scene? I mean, especially because, like, how big of a deal they made how difficult it was for Lex to get back into sea and have we seen how easily it was for Lex and Ebony to go and meet the guys? The scene, um, I actually just love this whole episode. I think it's really well directed, tight writing, great acting, good storytelling, 
good episode. This is solid. And this is one of those scenes I really enjoy. Um, I, I like that mystery. You don't know where they're taking Ryan at first. Mm -hmm. I also love just the setup of how they are putting people on chain gangs and just the tension. Every time someone gets taken away from you, you do not know if they're coming back. You know, um, I, I even like the odd conversation when Luke's telling Ryan, you need to take these people to the farm, and get food, and you're going to come back. And Ryan's like, how do you know we will? And I it just, I love this setup. I think it's really great. Um, as for <laughs> Max and Ebony just getting back into the city, I already told you they fudged this up in episode one. They should have mm. been able to get out of those woods. Okay, whatever. But fine. They're back here. They found their way back. Fine. I don't care. Um, I just love everything about this. I think this is a really good setup. I love the conversation that they have. I, I actually believe that the Chosen don't see Ebony and Lex. And the conversation feels like it's really covert. There's a good amount of emotion of how people would be feeling and reacting to each other. I, I think this is a great scene. Mm. I don't have any complaints about it. I have one. And that's the simple fact that Luke tells Ryan to be back with everyone within two hours. Even though in earlier season we were shown that it takes much longer to get to the farm and back. And that's without working there. Those are those details I told you that they're going to be sloppy about in the mm -hmm. season. And it will yep. get worse and worse. Yeah. <laughs> but it's the, that's the only thing that annoys me. Because, yeah, I, I honestly believe that, you know, Luke was in that mall. He observed the way Ryan is with people. And, yeah, he doesn't think he's going to run off. And, well, the chosen at the farm are just so cocky that they don't think that anyone would try anything over there. Why would anyone contact a prisoner? And it's, yeah, I, I like those details. And also that we do see them bring other people out of the mall, which means there are more people there. You know, when, when Luke goes outside with Ryan, there's people from other tribes on that chain gang. I had a question about that. That's one yeah. question I have. Mm. I, I wasn't sure. Does this mean that these people are actually in the mall and just being kept in different thoughts about the mall which is fine because we every now and then Could see be. other chosen acolytes in the mall but i mm -hmm. also wondered i'm like are they did they just like they just picked up ryan and added him to the chain gang like the chain gang they was making their way they get to the mall and then he you know attaches ryan to it because i am curious where are these other people staying in the mall yeah where are they yeah i i honestly don't know it just yeah, that I do find it weird. intriguing that at least they show us that they are keeping other tribes prisoner as well. Mm. You know, and it, it and that it's not just the mole rats. Well, because we saw them take away other people's leaders, we saw them take away more people. So clearly, they have them somewhere. Yeah, I would I would imagine that they they captured the city. So I would imagine people who are not a part of the chosen are either. Uh, or, or just imprisonment. That's what I thought it was. Yeah, they're just not very clear as to where all these yeah. prisoners are being kept, and it's yeah. fine because right now we're from the Mallrats' point of view. We don't know is we're not allowed to know that much because they don't know that much, and that that works for storytelling. That's fine, but I am curious, especially when they become inconsistent about it as the episodes go on. It's like where are how is this functioning? You you see you'll see evidence that the tribes that agreed to do whatever with the chosen are living freely 
mm-hmm. you know, and they voluntarily send workers to do what the chosen want. And that's fine. That makes sense. They'd be left to live where they live. But what are you doing with the people who didn't bow down? Where are you keeping them? They never really confirm where these people are. I'm just going to decide for my own sanity that they're keeping them at the hotel. Hotel, the, I mean, we haven't seen it yet, but maybe the stadium or, you know, wherever the Tetanos laid camp at at first. There's so many, so many places, but they just just don't tell you. Because those places didn't exist until the Tetanos did. So, yeah, but I mean, looking on now, I'm like, well, it would make sense that maybe they'll be there. I mean, it's not like it's a, it's a huge building. They could easily just be in the building. And I mean, the Chosen aren't all using rooms within the mall. They're clearly using other rooms in the space mm-hmm. that we've never seen before. So, I mean, I just, I am curious. Are they keeping yeah. them there? And I, again, just isolating the mall rats from anybody so they can't rally the people, which makes sense. But I'm just like, where are these other, where are you yeah. keeping the other kids who defied you? You know, Maybe they're at the bar, the, the, the casino. Mm. don't know there's there's so many buildings around that mall though yeah on the outside yeah. heck they might have just they might just be keeping them in the parking lots yeah on some level no clue yeah i mean it, it still annoys me that they're keeping the morats in the <laughs> open foyer but um yeah it's just because they could <laughs> so what is going on with ryan here is he like tied is his legs tied Oh, the chains, it's really cool. The way they're they're done, it chains one leg and then the chain goes up to the arm and then it has to go over the shoulder to the next person. It's heavy. That's mm-hmm. why they have to hold it over their shoulder so everyone can walk, but they can't get mm-hmm. away from each other. Yeah, just your yeah. typical chain gang. <laughs> it's really cool. Well, well, I'm looking at Ryan now and he's like talking to legs. I guess it's just his legs and his arms that are chained, right? Well, you have to unchain them from each other so they can work. I understand that. But once they all unchain them and they're in this state, I don't understand why they all just wouldn't run. Well, we know why Ryan's not running. He has people back at the mall he has Mm. to care about, which Mm. is probably why Luke put him in charge. Shruti was able to give them information about how the mall rats operate, who these people are, how they feel about each other. And the Chosen are using that to their advantage. That's why Ryan was chosen to lead the chain gang. He is not going to persuade anyone to run away. (laughs) No. You know, he's and, got a and, wife to think about and he's not going to run away himself and he's going to he will likely stop anybody else from doing it because it's like, look, I have a family on the line. You're not getting me in mm-hmm. trouble. Putting him on and, trial, too. And, and, and who's to say <laughs> that the other people weren't picked for this specific task because they have a reason to go back? Exactly. I'm going to remember this. I mean, Luke, Luke, Luke does seem like the kind of person who would make observations like that. Mm hmm. And knew who to pick for what kind of thing. He can be observant, just not near crashes. Well, <laughs> I can I can agree. I can agree with that. But um, I definitely would have. I definitely would have ran. I mean, there's definitely people who would have ran. <laughs> I mean, yeah. if, just, if May if May was there, <laughs> I feel like it would just make sense. They can't chase gone. everybody. Yeah, but yeah, but but you know, May, May would have ran. But she Alice, why she's not Dave yeah. Alice back there? <laughs> They would have caught Alice. <laughs> There's a reason Alice wasn't led, told to be put on the chain game. She would mm-hmm. likely start a fight with somebody. Mm-hmm. You know? So it's she would, like. She would turn everyone against them and start a riot. I'm, I'm so happy you said that, Liz, because you're absolutely right. So tell me, why, why isn't maybe like a, a Patsy or a Chloe in a chain game? 
they're too young and too small and they're children, women. They're not going to influence anybody to listen to them. If you put Patsy yeah, in charge of the chain game, one, she they're picking big, strong guys. You'll notice the mm -hmm. whole chain game, they're all hardy. Getting people to work physical labor, what are their criteria? They want big, strong people to do it. They also want people who aren't going to run away. So they're clearly picking people who have reason to not start a fight and not take off people who have a reason to get home and protect their loved ones. So it makes sense they wouldn't pick Patsy or Chloe yeah. or KC or Alice. It makes sense they picked Ryan. Yeah. And I'm sure the other people in the chain game were picked under the same criteria. Plus, I do honestly think it kind of comes into play that Jaffa would never approve of letting women do something like that. They're, he doesn't see them as useful in that way. That's why he sends them the sewing and the cooking. Yeah, his, his thoughts on this matter is getting quite clear. <laughs> yeah. I mean, when they have big jobs to do, we will see that he he's like equal opportunity on it. And they'll all be out there mm -hmm. chained up working, you know. But for this, this is, you know, he's starting small, mm -hmm. you know. Mm -hmm. And again, it's about the psychological torment because the others aren't told where their loved one is being taken and if they're going to come back. The minute Ryan is taken out, look how the mall rats react. You know, Celine nearly has a breakdown. The others are like, what does this mean? Is Ryan coming back? They don't know. They weren't told, don't worry. He's just going on work detail. He'll be back. That's the whole point. It's to mess with you emotionally. It's like even KC points it out. They're only taking the men. Because to him, it feels like they're picking off all the guys one by one. Bray's gone. Jack's gone. Oh yeah, no, Jack is gone. No. And now Ryan's <laughs> gone. Well, we know he's not going to do anything labor labor no, intended. But but you know, to to someone like KC and then Dell being sent on later, he doesn't know anything. For him, he's the one male left behind. So psychologically for him, he's next. You're absolutely right. I would just thought that maybe for some of these characters, uh desperation would just kick into their minds and it's all or nothing. I'm sure those those we need those characters exist. They were specifically not picked because of yeah. that. Which shows that at least someone like Luke has some skills in thinking ahead. And it's also a test. You know, there it's like yeah. Sabine said in episode one. Right now, Jaffa is sussing out who he's dealing with, what they can trust, what they can anticipate they'll do in these situations. That's like that's what he's doing right now. Who will mm -hmm. be problems and who can be converted? Who will cooperate? You know what I mean? Like, that's what this is all about. That's why this first mm -hmm. chain game, they only take like one from each group. You know, it's a test. It's just like, okay, let's, uh, let's see how this works out. You know, if one of these guys had run, you know, it's like, okay, that was a bad judgment call. I shouldn't have picked that guy, but that lets us know. It lets us know what we're dealing with. You know what I mean? Like, that's what this is, you know, that's what they're doing. It's a trial. And a person who would have tried to run would not have been returned to the rest. They would have been used as an example. See, I see. It also psychologically messes with the prisoners who are taken because they don't know where they're being taken until mm -hmm. they're finally told you're going to be put on work detail. Nothing bad happens to them. And then they're returned to their families. That is also a form of psychological warfare mm -hmm. in winning people mm -hmm. over. See, we didn't hurt you. We didn't make you do anything that terrible. And we brought you back to your family and your family's just fine. With but food. We're not that bad, are we? You know, it's like all of this is just playing, messing with people's heads, you know? Yeah. 
Yeah. Stockholm Syndrome. It's a terrible thing. I would have run. I'm with you, Carlin. But that's why they wouldn't have picked me to go on the chain game. But I'm just saying, well, never mind. I don't want to get into like any crazy theories with Ryan. I can totally see him being like a Nat Turner. If someone were to just do one little thing to to Celine and it's over, it's absolutely over. I mean, just just to quickly finish that scene, what did you make of Lex's romantic gesture? I'm sorry. I'm a zap. (laughs) This was was well done. It it did not come across as too forced or too out of character for the love that Lex and Tyson have found in each other. Lex has already been established, is completely enamored with this woman. You know what I mean? And even though he should have rescued her in the first place, whatever, he wants to get back to her. He wants her to know he's okay. I still love you. I'm fighting to get back to you. I thought they handled this well. The dialogue was great. I love that we don't know what he said until Ryan gets back to the mall and says it to her. That let that like that make gives it impact. Mm-hmm. You know, I I thought it was, think it was a bit too much. No, I did. I did not. It was perfect. It was Lance. You can't ask anyone who's like attracted to Lex. All the women go crazy for this scene. No, I. You know, hold I, this until you can put it back on my finger. It's a bit too much. It's a little bit. Too much. Not even what he said. Ryan. Ryan just said something Ryan. romantic to to Tristan yeah. to make him seem like a better guy. What Lex really said was, "Hey." Try to pawn this. I'll be back for the money, <laughs> so we can use it for the war effort. <laughs> exactly what happened. He said, "Hand it to Casey." I thought it was a little bit too much, but it works because he sent he he told Ebony that he didn't want her near because it was private between him and Ryan. You know, it wasn't meant as some big gesture. It was meant as a tiny thing for Ryan to give to Tyson, preferably in private and not in front of everyone. Yeah, Ryan botched the delivery. I don't <laughs> think he was meant to tell, like, say that in front of everyone. Because clearly, nope. Lex didn't want everyone to know. This was a, no. like you said, a private gesture between he and his wife. I It worked for me because they convinced me of this love that these two have. Mm-hmm. I watched them fall in love. I believe they are in love. I believe that Lex wants to get back to his wife. That he's not going to just forget her for the next side piece. She will be his objective. You know what I mean? And so I'm just like, it works. And again, I agree with Sabine. This was a private gesture. You know, he didn't want Ebony to hear him being sappy about his wife. Ryan is the one who said it in front of everybody. I do not think that's what Lex intended. I I still (laughs) think that was utterly stupid of Ryan, though. That's just Ryan. Yeah, but... (laughs) <laughs> there were guards standing there to just say, oh yeah, I saw Lex, he told you to get him. Uh, we'll, no. we'll get into the whole guard situation in a minute. Uh, the whole situation I, with the guards is Lex, silly. <laughs> but I will say it makes sense that Ryan didn't think to say this mm-hmm. in private to yeah. Tyson because Ryan doesn't have a problem with his romantic gestures being nope. public. So he it didn't occur to him that Lex would want her to hear this privately you know, just this is what your husband said to me, you know, because he's not the type who would hide his declaration of love for Celine from anybody. You do it in private. You know, I agree he should have. I'm saying it makes sense that Ryan didn't think on those lines. And if Lex didn't say, dude, say this to Tyson in private, <laughs> it wouldn't occur to Ryan that, oh, Lex doesn't want everybody to hear this. It's for his wife's ears only. Hmm. It's for He her. just didn't want Ebony to butt in. You know, and so it, I just think that's a nice bit of character work right there, you know, and um, it speaks to this, the sincerity of what Lex is feeling right now. He isn't showing off 
for anybody. Mm-hmm. He just wants his wife to know, I'm thinking of you. I'm out here. I'm trying to get to you. You know, don't forget me. Don't doubt me. I'm coming for you, baby. I'm coming. <laughs> it, it took me years to get, a, get to this point of finding it nice, though. I remember being younger and just thinking, seriously, Lex, your wife is stuck in a mall and you're sending back your wedder- wedding ring? Like what? Do you want Ryan to tell her, okay, yeah, I'm sending you Over. free because <laughs> you're stuck and I'm not? Because oh, um, There's a historical precedent to it because, I mean, granted, a lot of people don't think wedding rings are that important now. And there's all these theories about what the wedding ring is, blah, blah, blah. But for many people, their wedding ring was the most important connection they had to their partner, Mm -hmm. you know, and that's why, like, if you had a spouse who died during war, the wedding ring wasn't melted down for scraps. It was sent back to you. It was a Mm -hmm. piece of that person. It symbolized your love. Mm -hmm. Anyway, you know, for some people it's important. And um, so I thought that was a nice romantic gesture between them and harking back to what the wedding ring had meant to many people historically. You know, um, during wartime, there were women who were asked to melt down their scrap metal and their jewelry to help the war effort. And often the soldiers would, you know, if a woman offered her wedding ring, they'd be like, no, ma'am, you keep that. You can keep that piece of jewelry. You know, they, I would not part mm-hmm. a woman with her ring, you know. And so I did like just the historical romance of yeah. this moment. It's only thing he can give her. And it obviously means something to the two of them. And uh, it's the only thing he, it's the only piece of himself he can give her as a symbol of, I still love you. I'm still out here. Um, Obviously not everybody feels that way, but I just liked it between these two in this moment. I, I have often wondered though, if they put this scene specifically in um, to give even that tiny bit more impact to Bray's response at the end, response at the end of the episode. That is a really good thought, Sabine. Like bringing up the symbolic, like symbolism of mm-hmm. rings in general. Like that's nice. That's a hidden chestnut. I never even thought of that connection, but it really does set up, mm. you know, that yeah. scene later. Yeah, you, you know my thoughts on the mall and the guard situation already, and it's kind of amplified in this next scene. Now, what was it you wanted? And bear in mind, I'm busy. Save Bray. I can't. Anything else? But you've been through so much together. I don't believe you have no feeling for him. Please, Trudy, I'll do anything, give you anything. Poor Celine, still dreaming that hopeless dream. Does Ryan know? After being able to easily run in on the Supreme Mother, Celine pleads with Trudy to save Bray, but Trudy puts on a show of not caring and deflects back onto Celine's infatuation with Bray and her relationship with Ryan. After Celine does leave, though, Trudy breaks down. But yeah, um, what's your thoughts on that scene? Aside from Celine being able to get in the room so easily. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because mm-hmm. clearly, even the Chosen don't care about Trudy. If she wanted to assassinate her, she could have. She totally could have. <laughs> I, 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 later on, it makes sense because the mall rats are li- allowed basic free reign of the mall. But at this point, they're being kept downstairs. Okay, mm. and the guards are everywhere. So either Celine would have had to try to sneak up the stairs and get up there, 
and then, you know, break loose trying to get through the door because the door is guarded. Or she was running the whole way up there and they just weren't paying attention. They were like, mm-hmm. catch her. They couldn't until she got. That's silly. I will say the logistics no, I, of that is silly. I did wonder about that before because we had a scene earlier where in in a previous episode where they allowed to Celine to run away to another part of the mall and stopped, but stopped Ryan, but let her through. Yeah. It annoys me a bit. It's, <laughs> it, 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 it's like she's a woman, so she can't do anything. So she's not dangerous. I don't know. So like, we'll just send one of us after her, but we're not going to let them team up. You know, you don't get to go yeah. there with her because we don't want you two together. But aside from that silliness of how Celine got into the room. <laughs> Sorry. Aside from that, I do like the scene between them. It just Mm -hmm. takes us back to all the psychological, emotional turmoil that these girls have had from the day they met. And some of the, again, it's almost like finding out that the whole thing between Ebony and Trudy was just that they like the same boy. And you're like, for realsies? Like, oh my gosh. Um, But it is true to their age. So I like the fact that they are, once again, playing on the fact that Trudy never got over you know, what happened between Celine and Bray when she was pining for him and trying to be with him and how Celine didn't give a crap about her feelings back then. And the irony of Celine begging for Bray's life when she's married to another man and, you know, Trudy being aware of Celine's actual feelings. And again, we see the pattern of Jaffa taking out his anger on Trudy and punishing Trudy and Trudy, you like, doing it to somebody else to deal with what just happened to her. Just that that pattern of abuse just going down the pipe. Because this is this is cruel how she's talking to Celine, you know, and it's unkind and all that. And um especially when we already know Trudy actually does care, but she's having fun, you know, seeing uh Celine beg. I mean true, she can't do anything about it, <laughs> but acting like she just doesn't care and not offering any comfort. She's someone who's supposed to be her friend, you know, and um, so I, I also like that, just that pattern of abuse, how an abused person can become an abuser. Um, yeah, I, I like the scene. I mean, I can't really say there's anything wrong with it. They're, they're being true to their characters and all of their issues with each other. And I wonder if Celine would beg as heartily for Ryan's life as she is for Ray's. Nope, nope. nope. Um, <laughs> She might, <laughs> just not for the same reasons, you know. Um, for the baby's sake. She would, you know, yeah, she'd do it for the baby's sake, but. She yeah. didn't really beg uh, that much when he got taken away, but. Yeah. <laughs> I think that was Dal. No, no. But I do wonder, though, if it was purely Trudy having fun and abusing Celine, because I do have to wonder if Trudy did not just see an opportunity to show the people guarding her, who obviously report back to Jaffa, that no, she has no sympathy for these small rats. She's not on their side. She's just mean to them. Because that is what she needs to show these guards. Because that could be if she shows sympathy, f- yeah, if, if she sh- shows sympathy for them, the Guardian is sure to take it out on her. I, I personally think it has more to do with her taking out her frustration, her helplessness. She can't save Bray. She's been ordered to kill him. She's angry and hurt and devastated by this. And Celine just made herself a really easy target to take that hurt out on to somebody else. Because as soon as Celine's gone, Trudy does break down because Celine just 
this is what she's feeling. She's feeling mm -hmm. the same way Celine is, mm -hmm. and she's helpless to do anything about it as well. And she just took it out on somebody else, you know, like, yeah, sure. She might have been performing for the guards. That's true. But then why does she immediately cry as soon as Celine's? Oh, I'm sure not all of the guards are still away from her room. Yeah. You know, someone could still see her breaking down. So I don't think the performance was the biggest reason for it. It could have definitely played a factor, but I think she's just taking out her own pain onto someone else. Very interesting. That's just me. That's how I see mm -hmm. it. That's my interpretation. Mm. Uh, but you see it as soon as she breaks down because she is devastated of what's coming, of what is being asked of her. Yeah. Great scene. Yeah. Great acting right there. Mm -hmm. Love it. Love it. Love it. And it's so funny how... Obviously, there's still some emotions. There's still some feelings for what Celine has for for Bray, and clearly uh, Trudy does as well. Um, I don't know. I just find it so funny how Ryan's working so hard for for her, and she's still like still hanging on to emotions of Bray. Of course, she is. She doesn't really love Ryan. No. I like that someone pleaded for Bray's life in this way. Yeah. You know. Um. And I thought that Celine was the perfect person. Yeah, who would not be able to control her emotions enough that she would be that desperate to just please, Trudy, I'm begging you, don't let this yeah. happen. There's got to be something you can do to save him from death. You know, it, um, it wouldn't have made I, sense I, if it was anyone else. It just, it really worked, and it, I felt someone should break and beg, and it was Celine was the perfect person for it to be. Mm. Trudy is not in a position to beg for Bray's life. She's done if she everything she can to keep Jaffa from killing him, but she's had to play it a certain way because of the relationship she has with him and her position in the chosen in the game she has to play. Um, but Celine is not uh, hampered by any of that. She can just be balls out. This is how I feel. Please. I'm begging you. Do not kill him. You know, um, she can show how she feels about it where Trudy has to hide how she feels about it. And, uh, and she does love him, you know, so it, whether or not that's a healthy love or whatever, it doesn't matter. She does feel this way. She feels very strongly for him and she needs him to be alive in the world. <laughs> so I, I just like that. I like somebody begging for the life of someone they love. Like, please, I, I have no dignity. I never had. <laughs> so please, <laughs> please, 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 please. I don't care what you do to us. Just don't let him die, you know? And even just like, in the conversation, insinuating, we feel the same way about him, Trudy. You can't possibly be okay with this, you know? Um, and then just Trudy's coldness and messing with her. And and then again, showing this, this flashback that Trudy's still not over what happened between Celine and Bray, you know, and her hurts. Mm -hmm. And like, how dare you beg for his life? You know, how dare you? He was mine. I tried to save him and failed. I love when she was like, no, there's nothing I can do. Because she there isn't. Mm -hmm. <laughs> She's not lying. There is nothing she can do. <laughs> and then when I, I just like it when Celine keeps trying to just push her to change her mind to do help him. She's like, it's not only pointless, it's boring. Stop it. Because Trudy does not want to talk about attempts at saving Bray. So she changes the subject. I mean, and yeah, that, that leads on to the execution itself. Um, 
So the Guardian brings along Dao as a witness and includes young children in the ceremony to prepare the pyre before confirming Sue's approval and handing the burning torch to Trudy. Bray tries to reason with her, but she explains that either she or Brady could be next if she doesn't go through with it, before repeating the chosen doctrine to steal her nerve. So yeah, panel, what did you make of the carefully choreographed ceremony and Trudy's dilemma? I hated those poor little kids being there, and yet I loved it all at the same time. They seemed like they were having fun. <laughs> but it just <laughs> felt so horrible to have little kids present with that. I love that it's showing that this is Brady's future. Mm-hmm. This stuff yeah. being normalized. These are little kids who are taken in by the chosen, and this is being normalized for them. They will know. They won't know any better. They will not know any other world, but this one. This is the order they will understand. And it's just, it's, this is what is Brady's future. Mm-hmm. You know, this is what she's going to grow up in, having no idea how messed up all of this is. You know, yeah. it's also a reminder what we ought to be fighting for and why the chosen do need to be stopped, mm-hmm. you know, without saying it. It's like, it's not Bray being burned on the pyre. It's look at these two kids growing up thinking that this is okay. Mm-hmm. And having no idea. And they don't even have really any emotion on their faces. Meaning this isn't the first time they've seen the Chosen do something messed up. They've seen so many messed up things in the world since the virus took everything they might have known away. Mm-hmm. That they're just mm-hmm. stone-faced like, hmm, an exhibition. You know? like <laughs> Yeah. And keep in mind, these children have been, probably have been told that this is a celebration. They're reuniting Bray with Zoot. They're sending Zoot, his brother, to be with him. Because it has been narrated to these people as the Guardian had a vision. Zoot wants him to reunite Bray. Or to have Trudy reunite Zoot with Bray. So that's probably what they told the kids. That this is a good thing. This is this is a happy occasion. Mm-hmm. Ceremony is more about Trudy tormenting her than it is about uh, mm-hmm. getting rid of Bray because again mm-hmm. he was willing to leave Bray's dead corpse on a beach you know like mm-hmm. he just he didn't care and um, as long as Bray was gone he didn't care how he was disposed of and in, I, I really feel like I mean if he was if this was about showing the city that I'm taking your leader away wouldn't he have people who hadn't fallen in with the chosen like the slaves he'd force them to watch this execution mm-hmm. but he doesn't it's not about them and it's not even about, about bray all this pomp and circumstance is about tormenting trudy mm-hmm. <laughs> it's so interesting the way he is like forcing her to do it having all these eyes on her all of this pressure all of this reminder that she can't get away from this like it's just wild to me like how petty Jaffa really is. I, I do wonder though if he thinks he's honoring Zoop by making Trudy do this. I don't believe that for a second. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think this is about honoring. Yeah. <laughs> no, but it's more than you know, I'll I'll make her get rid of the guy that she abandoned you for or she tried to abandon you for. Yeah, I think he was already planning on killing Bray since he, he can't be indoctrinated. And he was like, hmm, well, I can also torture Trudy at the same time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah. It's a win-win. Because he, he could have easily yeeted Bray off a cliff, you know, or something easier. Because this would have been a great way to break the mall rats. Like, force them to watch their leader being mm. burned at the stake. Not just one of them. Like, all of them. I think that would have broken a lot of spirits if yeah. this had been mm-hmm. successful. 
Now, granted, I kind of wonder if the reason he didn't is because the last time he tried to show up in front of the mall rats, mm-hmm. he looked like a fool, you know, twice in, in a row for Pete's sake. So he was like, no, nah, I'm not going to chance that again. Um, I'll just bring one because I can, if things go pear-shaped, I can at least control that situation. I can get rid of the mm-hmm. witness, you know. Uh, but yeah, like this is all about tormenting Trudy and even a bit of Bray. Like, guess who I'm going to make kill you? <laughs> Mm-hmm. <laughs> this is what we've done. <laughs> your niece's mother's gonna set you on fire. Have fun with that with your goodbyes. Because he lets them talk as long as they need you to each other. Yeah. Oh, Jaffa, you're such a mess. You're a messy bish. <sighs> you know, and Bray pleading with Trudy with with a really going for is this how you want it to end? And you can just see her breaking with a could be me or Worse, Brady. And she just has to convince herself to just do this because she has to shut out his pleading voice to be able to try and perform this task. That was creepy. That 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 gave you such a window into her psyche in that moment of like her coping mechanism. (laughs) The way she just like stares off into the middle space and middle distance and just starts saying Zoot must be obeyed. And you just see like her, her torch getting closer and closer to the pyre. Like she's disassociating yeah. right now. Yeah. So this can be done. She has. I was like, whoa. It's like she warged into an, something else. <laughs> I'm not here anymore. My body is just a shell. I have no control over this. This isn't about me. This is Zoot's will. I have no, I'm not responsible. Just like, wow. Yeah. Like the things that she's had to do psychologically to survive this. <laughs> it's creepy. Yeah. She should be on trial. No. Oh my goodness. Whew. I like that scene. I love it. I, yeah. I think uh, everyone's doing a great job. I love um, even Bray. Like <laughs> the look on yeah. Bray's face, like I cannot believe this is happening. Like, holy crap. Like this has been the worst week of my life. <laughs> yeah. I mean, first my new girlfriend, who's the world to me, dies. Or well, these maniacs have her and probably killed her. I don't know. Oh man. He had another concussion. He got injured. He got tormented. And then here he is set on f- about to be set on fire by the one link he is. Trudy. Trudy, it's me. Trudy. Like, what are you are you seriously gonna do this to me? Are you kidding me? I know you're in there. Like, come on. And she just she just goes she blocks him out because just saying that mantra over and over again. It's the only way to drown out his voice and focus on what he's being made to do. And can I just say, I love Dal's new outfit. He had a glow up in between seasons. <laughs> he he put on some inches. They got him dressed nicely. I was like, you looking good, Dal. They gave him a good haircut for once in his life. It's an insult. I, I just, he looks so good. I was <laughs> like, insult. look at you. great every season. <laughs> He, he, no, he got a he got a good look to watch someone burn. He looks so good. I I I just love this whole setup. I thought it was great. Um, and yeah, I just it's a great scene. It's a great scene. Yeah, great scene. Dude, must be obeyed. Oh man, mm-hmm. I was brave. Like, oh man, this is happening. I'm this is such a terrible way to kill somebody. Like burning alive is horrific. Mm. But yeah, the scene obviously doesn't end there as Pride returns to cause a rather timely diversion with Lex and Ebony. 
and assisted by Dao, they take advantage of the confusion to free Bray. Um, so yeah, I just want to talk a little bit about the rescue itself. Um, but I mean, com- combine it with Trudy. Like, did, did you like that she was given an out in that way, and like didn't like the actual pile, or like would you like to have played it out differently? I like the rescue, but I think you make a good point. It can seem like this is definitely an easy out for Trudy because she mm-hmm. didn't actually get a chance to light the pyre. Mm. Um, and I, I think even though, okay, I'm empathetic to Trudy's situation. I think she's a victim, but I, again, I'm not going to ignore what she has been capable of doing in her victimhood. Okay. And that she does have blood on her hands. I actually would have liked her to have, ac- you know, have started the fire. Like Bray still gets away, but it just, it makes it very hard and fast and clear that she was willing to do this because I do believe she was going to do it. Yeah. And um, I think the only reason I didn't film it that way is because it would be such a dangerous stunt. That's actually Bray up there. That's actually Dwayne on the pyre. And that would have been a fire stunt that would have been very dangerous if she was meant to actually light it. Anything could have gone wrong. But I would have liked it if they could have managed that with the stunt team to show they she was willing to do it. I get why they didn't, and I'm not going to begrudge them. I don't want the young actors being put in danger, but I would have liked to see that she did light the pyre because I fully believe she was going to. Mm-hmm. I think it was kind of the point that she was going to, and then she didn't, so Jaffa could put even more blame on her for that. I think he still would have. He would He's, he's, he's blaming her for the escape. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter that Trudy was clearly doing what he wanted her to do he was going to put the blame on her regardless so i still would have liked to see it i i have her take that responsibility for what she actually was going to do and um i it does feel a little bit like an easy out that she didn't actually hurt anybody because of this convenient um rescue other than that, though, I actually like the rescue. Mm-hmm. And um, I even like the fact that because Trudy didn't want to do it, she is easily disarmed. But I would have loved it if she was disarmed after she'd started the fire. <laughs> um, you know, um, I think, wow, that would really add to the conflict between Bray and Trudy by him having to live mm-hmm. with the fact that she was really going to set me on fire. You know, she actually went for it. Uh, but I like the rescue. Editing is better than a lot of things we've seen from them. And, um, yeah, I thought it was pretty cool. Uh, go pride. Go pride. <laughs> I've counted 15 chosen there. And they literally <laughs> got overrun by three people. Yeah, well, we never said they were the brightest guards. Yeah. Jaffa doesn't pick him for their fighting prowess. Um, I mean, he he clearly picked the ones he wanted to show off to. You know, he he picked the children. He picked just some puny guards around it. Not even a guards he usually uses to do security on smarter things than this or more important things. Well, yeah. Uh, I mean, I'm done making sense of it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you can see why he gets the Praetorian guards later on, because these guards are mm-hmm. quite useless, aren't they? Mm-hmm. It, just, it just makes me hate the city even more. <laughs> even more. Like, just yeah, fight well. back. That's all you have to do. I do think it, it is a problem in the show when you establish a threat, but then you have to have scenes where the threat is overrun. I think they sometimes 
more often than not, have trouble filming those scenes in a believable way. Often the threat is so easily overpowered, you're asking yourself, well, why weren't they overpowered sooner? You know, if this is all it took. And I, I agree, that's a flaw, but I don't, it's not just in this scene. It's all over the show since the beginning, showing threats that are so overpowered. And you're like, okay, you're meant, they're telling you this threat is too powerful for our heroes to get away from or escape from. And then when they show a scene where our heroes are supposed to, I think they have a difficulty, a difficult time coordinating that scene so that it actually seems like our heroes had to fight because they mm -hmm. usually get away so easily. You're like, well, you could have got away the whole time. Like, why did you like at the end of the day, as much as I love the scene, these chosen were distracted by lion sounds Yeah. while they're at the beach. I understand that distracting you, but not enough that Lex, I mean, sorry, Bright and Dal <laughs> got away and nobody got singed and nobody was, you know, just even grabbed a little bit and had to throw a punch to get away. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. They were easily distracted, very easily yeah. distracted and stopped. And so I, I get where Carlin's coming from. They have a problem in the show doing that. Mm -hmm. Oh, it gets worse. I mean, <laughs> I mean if, if, if they'd managed to, you know, injure Trudy or Jaffa in this, then the guards being occupied with that, I could have understood that. That should have been the priority. Forget Bray. He can burn. Kill Jaffa. <laughs> Kill the leader. And everyone else will follow. You get rid of get rid of the leader, everyone else will crumble. Because usually the threat, it's not they're not shown physically defeated or knocked down. They're usually just standing there watching this happen. You know, and it's a lot of chosen yeah. are standing there watching this happen rather than mm -hmm. doing anything to stop it from happening. Yeah. And they're more uh, witnesses than guards. Right. And I just think that is an ongoing problem the show has always had with their physical threats, usually standing around. And it's like, that's why they were defeated, because they literally did nothing. They just stood there and watched and were like, how did this happen? You know, and like, <laughs> put one foot in front of the other. Just try that. You know, go towards the threat. That's what you're it's what you're supposed to do. But aside from that, I I still like the scene. But I, I definitely agree with the flaw. But oh, I like pride in this. My favorite thing about this, I'm sorry, I just have to say it. My favorite thing is we never get an explanation for how Pride made those sounds. Nope. Because even the writers don't know how he did it. <laughs> We're talking about he's a master hunter. No, no, Pride of Lions. Where were I the mean, speakers, Pride? <laughs> master hunters can do that. It's a tr true art for people to throw their voices. There's, it's so loud. Mm -hmm. He had to have had a sound system. And when <laughs> Lex literally asks, I need to know how you did that. Right? Like, duh, 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 duh. <laughs> <laughs> We're not discussing because nobody actually knows how he did it. And it doesn't matter. There was a hollow point somewhere in between the rocks, <laughs> and it just echoed it completely. It was very smart. He's I mean, clearly been there before. There's, 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 yeah, you could say he, his voice was amplified and echoed off the rocks, but that exactly. lion sound, come on, that's not, no, that, no human vocal cords can produce that. No, that's not true. They can't. He's a hunter. Any You can ask any hunter. They can do deer sounds, duck sounds, lion that I, sounds. That I believe. Yes, that I believe. That But that lion sound that came out was, mm -mm. <laughs> it was surround sound speakers. 
we we don't find out because one the writers don't know <laughs> they didn't think about it and two because it makes pride more mysterious but okay carlin brought up hunters and now usually they're able to make these sounds they have like you know contraptions they can blow through things like that like yeah um, the most common one is duck sounds. Mm-hmm. Wouldn't this have been hilarious if that's what he used <laughs> and made duck sounds? <laughs> Sorry. That, yeah, that are, you know, seagulls, birds or anything, any type of animal that is mostly seen over there in that beach area. Oh, that's funny. I would have loved if that was his explanation. He just pulled out a little contraption. He's like, oh, you know, hunters use these in the Serengeti, you know, <laughs> just something like that. <laughs> But it would have killed the mystery of pride, so. Yeah. And this is also day one of me, like, doing, like, a countdown of how amazing pride is until his character is completely sabotaged and destroyed. Because I miss pride. We didn't talk about that yet. Yeah. (laughs) I miss him so much. I'll do the countdown with you, Carlin. Yeah, he was great. Fantastic hunter. Fantastic character. Um, I wish we gotten more of this. Of just pride, just doing more badass stuff that the other Marats can't do because they're physically inadequate. Yeah, I did like how what, this is only episode four, and the brief time we've seen him, he's been doing traps and <laughs> distracting sounds and fishing and teaching them how to hunt. And yeah, he's like very capable <laughs> already. We've only seen him so briefly. He's a useful person in this yeah. world. Yeah. Until he needs to be nerfed. Yeah. <laughs> Do you all follow such a path? We have harmony. Each time our group is fragmented, our harmony, it grows stronger. Today, it seems I have made your harmony a little more powerful. The one called Dal, he is also dead. Uh, we've mentioned how petty the Guardian seems, and it's kind of echoed in this next scene because he tells the Morats that Bray is dead, and as Alice makes a scene and Tyson speaks up, He's intrigued by her philosophical talk, which he says they'll continue, continue later. But before he goes, he does make another pot shot at the Morats by saying that Dao is also dead. And yeah, what would you make of the Guardian's lies here and the connection that he's suddenly found with Tai San? I think his lies are um, something he needed to do because there was no way he was going to give these Morats hope by telling them, oh yeah, we tried to kill Bray. Um, but yeah, Trudy was... Too incompetent, so she didn't get to burn him, and he managed to escape with Dal. He's not going to give them that hope. He's just, you know, bluffing that, that he managed to kill them, just to make them scared of him. That's Dal, because they're trying to be strong through the Bray thing. You know what I mean? They're, mm-hmm. They already knew Bray was going to be executed, and yeah. they're trying to be strong through it. And that annoys him. And he's being petty. That's why he throws Dal in there too. Like, oh, oh, this mm. kind of stuff makes you stronger. Well, let me help you out with that because I also <laughs> killed Dal. That's all. It was just him being a petty bitch. That's mm-hmm. all that was. Mm-hmm. He's annoyed that they're actually trying to endure the death of a loved one and handle it well. And as much as he's intrigued by Tyson, Jaffa always has to have the last word, you know, mm-hmm. um, because what I she said like is. So very inspiring what she's saying to him like you can keep trying to break us but the more you strike against us the stronger we'll be against you and he i don't think joffa gets the chance to talk to anybody on a philosophical level you know he usually sees himself as the Mm -hmm. smartest person in the room the most intelligent the most well-read and here's a girl who 
is basically fighting him with words. And he's like, that's hot, but you can't win <laughs> this argument. Um, Cause there's people. You're not allowed to. Uh, <laughs> I'm very attracted and annoyed. <laughs> mm -hmm. So I guess a last word. Okay. And um, yeah, that's all that was. I, and it, I also like that it adds to the idea that not everybody he claims dies actually dies. You know, it's just a matter yeah. of making people think that's what you've done. But I was, I did, I was glad that he lied about it because he, if he had been honest, it would have been the dumbest thing he could have done. Like he's <laughs> already been made a fool of so many times. You better make up a lie at this point. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think that might be part of, you know, why he responds to Trudy that way as well. Good devastating blow for the mall rats as well. You know, like, yeah. I mean, how many people have they just lost in the last two days? You know, that, that would break a lot of spirits right there. Yeah. You're absolutely right, Liz. My heart was broken when Danny was gone. Like, you've got, they, you know, Danny's gone, the Colin. city's gone. <laughs> and then, you know, then Jack is gone. You know, they, they found out Lex was alive. And, but it's like, what can he do? You know, and now, now Bray and Dal, like, that's just a lot. That's a lot to take in two days. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I think it's a really good setup for people being like, you know what? Uh, I think we might be going about this the wrong way, fighting these guys. You know, like there's got to be a different way because we're we're literally being knocked off. And and keep in mind, at this point in time, they have no clue what he's done to Ryan because Ryan has not returned yet either. It's like he keeps taking people, and it's so easy. That's the thing. Yeah. It's so easy. Steady. You just take them away and they're gone forever. And it's just like, who's next? <laughs> it's been 48 hours. We're down yeah. like a quarter of us already. And, and from Casey's perspective, he's the only guy left. It did annoy. There's just one tiny thing that annoys me about this whole scene. And that's that I've never been able to completely figure out which philosophy Tyson was talking about with the car. Again, I think it's supposed to be generic and sort of made up. In the series. Everything she says is made up. No, I meant in the, the thesis of the show. They don't yeah. talk about certain specific things. They want to, because they're not trying to attack any actual yeah. belief system. Mm -hmm. So they keep these things pretty generic. They don't speak to any specific religion. You know, the, the chosen created a religion. It's a commentary on religion, mm -hmm. but they don't pick on any specific religion. Everything about Tyson is kept pretty vague you know and so it makes sense to me that this is also something you wouldn't be able to track down as a real yeah. philosophy obviously it's just you know just because it intrigues me so much i i have tried out from i've tried for many years to figure it out <laughs> what it was based on because i made the simple simple assumption that Surely there must be something like that out there. At the end of the day, Jaffa and Tyson, both of their philosophies are so vague, they couldn't actually be based on anything specific. Yeah. yeah. You should just do what I do. I don't take anything Tyson says seriously. It just it makes sense for the show that yeah, you wouldn't be actually able to find this thing that she and Jaffa clearly <laughs> follow. <laughs> it's like, that's why the city doesn't have a name. <laughs> <laughs> I did think it was funny that when she said that she said, I was like, for reals, you study something? Like, mm -hmm. <laughs> wait, 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 wait. Did you just give me specifics on what your beliefs are based on? <laughs> yep. 
Holy crap. Space, Space Cadet Academy. Only three seasons in. <laughs> <laughs> and then for Java to instantly say, okay, yeah, I do get my philosophies from that as well. It's just made up philosophy of tribe world. <laughs> they both study it. <laughs> that explain a lot. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think that's great. I also get the point. They both study the same made up philosophy, but mm -hmm. they are, they took it in completely different directions. I also mm -hmm. like that in that commentary on religious beliefs yep. that you can study the mm -hmm. same thing and walk away with completely different interpretations on how you're meant to follow that belief. So I like that. Sure. How long am I to be held prisoner here? Not longer than necessary, I hope, Supreme Mother. A fine way to treat the Supreme Mother, wouldn't you say? It is regrettable. And the princess? Any word of her since I'm allowed to see her so little? With your permission, I will try to find out what I can. Do that. Convinced that Trudy betrayed the plan which led to Bray's escape, the Guardian posts a guard to make sure that she doesn't leave her room. Visiting her later, Luke seems uncomfortable with this and promises to bring her news of Brady in the meantime. But yeah, Pan, what do you make of Luke in this scene and the way that Trudy kind of ordered him? Um, it makes me wonder how much Luke or how little Luke has witnessed Trudy's treatment. Like, I'm trying to figure out if I were chosen. Okay. I believe in Joppa. I follow him. Um, I'm totally on board with all this. And I buy the whole story about Trudy being the supreme mother and someone we're meant to worship and treasure and how precious she is to us, her and her child. And then, you know, but I get that in the beginning, I'm watching, you know, Jaffa break her, but I understand this is necessary. This is what has to happen so she can take her place with us. And then Trudy is sent on her task, so she's never really there. And you don't witness anything going on between her and Jaffa. You just see her show up and perform as she's supposed to, and everything's as it's you've been told it should be. But now that her and Jaffa are together you're starting to see some things that make you uncomfortable. Like, wait a minute, why is she being treated this way when she's one of us and doing what she's supposed to? And that would be confusing if I were Luke, you know? I think his discomfort says something about what the Chosen were allowed to see of Jaffa and Trudy's relationship. But now that they're all thrown together in the mall, it's harder to ignore the relationship between these two people, mm -hmm. especially since Trudy did what she was supposed to do. She completed her indoctrination. She completed her test, her tasks. So shouldn't she be getting the star treatment? Everything should be great. Why is she being punished for things that you can clearly see weren't her fault? Yeah, and, and then combined with the fact that she is the supreme mother. She's supposed to be this elevated being above others, except for, you know, no more than Jaffa. But it's like they're they're supposed to kind of worship her. So, yeah. Yeah. I, I get why treating her like this is, is hard on him and confusing to him. You can even hear it in the way he's he's responding to her. That he's trying to rationalize it for himself. Like, this is unfortunate. But I have to trust the Guardian knows what he's doing and that this mm -hmm. is necessary. I'm trying to be sympathetic because I don't, but I can't outright say that I don't like it. And I can't say I disagree with it. I don't even know if I disagree with it. Just I'm sorry that it's happening and I will try to make it easier on you. Yeah. But yeah. <laughs> like, 
but it, it finally shows him as having more sympathy than several other chosen. It, it finally gave me a feeling that when he said that I, I will try to find out with what I can with your permission about how Brady is. And, you know, you can see he deems her above him, but you can also see that he's, you know, finally there's someone that might just for a tiny bit be on her side again. And it, it yeah, with how Jaffa's treating her, that gave me just that little bit of hope that maybe, just maybe there's someone amongst them that might actually try to help her eventually. Scenes like this really bring into question um, culpability at the end of the day. Like when you think about the chosen who are portrayed as unable to critically think about anything, unresponsive to what's going around on around them, they just stare blankly and obey blindly and question nothing. You could argue, well, they're clearly idiots. They would fall for anything. How much blame can you put on these people? But then when you portray some of them as more human, like say Luke, um, and show that they are capable of critical thought, they are able to feel and have a response to what's going on. You have to ask yourself, you're like, does that make them more culpable for what they allowed to happen compared to the idiot mm -hmm. who just didn't get, didn't understand what was going on around them? You know, cause they clearly did understand what was going on around them. I just think it's really, one of the greatest things they did with The Chosen, because it's really never clear cut. You know, everyone's going to have a different opinion on how much blame can you put on everybody. And I think that's the biggest problem with cults. People always have this problem when they're dealing with a cult. How much guilt can you put on cult members who committed crimes if they were brought up in the cult or cult, um, indoctrinated into the cult? And convinced this is the way they should think you're, you're asked you know we've seen this so many times like how much blame can be put on them and all that stuff and i actually really love that the show just dabbles in that and that question is there like what do we do like <laughs> how do we assign blame at this point yeah. um everybody played a part in this but how victimized were they you know what i mean like how much diminished responsibility can we say they had and just on and on and um i like that i like that they didn't really shy away from that at least in the first half of season three. For me, I think this is the first sign that we see what the chosen was supposed to be in sense of there weren't supposed to necessarily be the bad guys, but just another option for other people in the city to be like, hey, you know, we're trying to unify everyone, have something to believe in, make the world a better place than what it was when everyone was just running amok all over. And I think that's what Luke signifies and what he what he believes the chosen should be now i think it's just like what liz said certain people are not supposed to see how a certain uh i guess things are run within the chosen which is how like jaffa talks to to trudy and all that stuff so i guarantee you if, if luke was witness or maybe some other people were witness to how jaffa has been acting as this so-called supreme leader um I think things would have changed drastically at that moment. You make such a great point, Carlin, because mm -hmm. that is another thing about cults. They rarely ever start from a place of destruction. Like almost every person you will ever talk to who joined a cult and escaped or was rescued will tell you the same thing. When you ask them, why did you join this group? They'll all tell you the same thing. In the beginning, it was good. 
in the beginning, it was about love and togetherness and acceptance and making the world a better place mm -hmm. and how they don't even know how they ended up falling down the stairs and in being involved and in doing these terrible things. It was just so gradual and normalized for them, but that's not ever how they start. Some, some of the worst cults out there start sometimes just like in these great places and then just over the years become the like how and you know it's easy from the outside to look at them and be like why didn't you leave how did you not see that coming how did you not know that this is where it was going you know so i love that i think luke does represent what most of these kids who joined the chosen thought the chosen actually were mm -hmm. and we see the same thing later on with the technos as well you know with with characters like jay who join joined them uh in hopes of making the world a better place. And I think the same goes for Luke in this. He just went in it with a different vision. The only thing I'll say about that is that actually the work was put into actually exploring the Chosen, where it was not mm -hmm. with the Technos. So um, I don't think it works as well, that, that message. But I think it works really well with the, the Chosen. Mm -hmm. It does. How do you get good people to do terrible things? You know, How do you get them down there, down, down that path? where they, it becomes acceptable to them to just keep doing these terrible things and see it as a, necess a necessity, you know? And you see that in Luke. He's not comfortable mm -hmm. with these terrible things, but it's necessary. Um, it's for the good of the tribe. For the good of what we're trying to build. And it's like, how'd you get him there, you know? No, but she does have a point about making the Chosen think we have. That's almost as bad. But we'd just be going through the motions. Meanwhile, the pressure would be off us, and we could get some decent food. The baby needs decent food, Ryan. After asking the Guardian how they'll be treated if they join the Chosen, May tries to convince Celine that things might go better for them if they pretend to play along. Celine later talks to Ryan about this, and tells him that if May goes through with it, then she might too. So yeah, um, just briefly, panel, um, how did you feel about this plan, and the fact that Celine actually communicated with this, this with Ryan? I think she mainly communicates this with Ryan in order to try and convince him to do the same thing so she doesn't look like the only mole rat who's joining because, you know, people don't really consider May as one of them. Mm. Not in the same degree as Celine is. And I, I think it was mainly about her telling him in hopes that he would do anything that she told him she was going to do just so, you know, she wouldn't look bad because it wouldn't it would look so much so less bad if she joined them and went along with them if Ryan did the same thing because they wouldn't be just mad at her as for May trying to convince Celine yeah sure I can get that I was just gonna say I think the timing of this was perfect like I didn't come too soon and it didn't come too late uh it's been four episodes of escalating horror for these kids and um it just makes sense that after getting the news that Bray and Dal are dead and Danny's gone. And I love the fact that May actually mentions Danny, you know, and, mm -hmm. you know, Jack is gone. Like we've lost at least four of our own. Lex may be out there, but what does that mean to us? We are going, we're being knocked off so easily, so quickly. It's only been two days. It just was, this was a perfect timing for someone like May, who's already been set up as a survivor who doesn't want to play along with this to say, I just think it'd be easier if we went about this differently. Just fool these. And I know for May, that is something she could do easily. Yeah, not buy she into did it before. Show. She did it before. Like, she's not going to, like, for her, this just makes sense. She's not fooling herself. She can play along and just play the game 
so that they, the pressure can be off and they can get some food and less work and all that jazz and just get a chance to get out of here. Um, so I like that. I like the timing of it. And Celine was also the perfect person for to talk to about it. And I think Celine talks to Ryan this, for the same reason that May talked to Celine. There are a lot of people thinking this, but they don't want to be the first and only person to betray the group. It's just that simple. May could easily just join the Chosen, but for some reason she keeps trying to convince everybody else to do it with her because she doesn't want to look like the jackass who just said, screw you guys, I'm going home. You know, she doesn't want to be mm -hmm. alone in it. Like, come on. She, because at the end of the day, you're like, May, if you just, if you want to join the Chosen, just join them. But she doesn't want to look bad in front of anybody. She doesn't want to look like the jerk who did it. So she's trying to convince other people to do it with her. And Celine is asking Ryan for the same reason. She doesn't want to look like the jerk who betrayed her family. So she's trying to convince somebody else to do it with her. So she doesn't have to be alone in this and look bad to everybody else. And to be fair, Celine has actually for once in her life, she has a good reason for doing something, for wanting to go along with the Chosen. She has a point because she is in a vulnerable position as a pregnant woman. Every single one of them has a good reason. I wouldn't fault yeah. any of them for saying, screw this, I'm going to play along. Yeah. Every single one of them has a good reason. Just not wanting to die is a great reason. Mm -hmm. to like, okay, fine. Okay, I'll just pretend yeah. to play along with you. You know, um, so I don't fault any of them <laughs> for being like, okay, fine. <laughs> you know, I don't want to die. I don't want to starve. This sucks. Tried it two days my way. I got to go about this a different way. So I'm not going to fault them. I'm just saying like, this just makes sense to me. Perfect sense. Um, it almost makes more sense for the ones who want to join the Chosen than the ones who don't. Given it, it just mm -hmm. more like their reasoning for continuing fighting the way they are. And they're making no progress fighting that way. Um, the ones who want to join the Chosen are actually making better arguments for it. Mm. And I, I personally think if they had joined as a group they would have had a better chance of mm -hmm. getting out of their situation, getting away from the chosen, you know, like getting out of here. I think they would have had a better chance. The pressure would have been off, you know, but uh, that's just me. I highly doubt that Jaffa would have ever bought it if Tyson and Alice had been flipped over easily, though. I'm not saying they would have. I'm just saying I think if they had done this as a group, mm -hmm. they would have achieved their goals faster. That's all. Yeah, maybe. Because they achieve almost nothing doing it the way they're doing it. By constantly defying the Chosen. Yeah. The ones who defy the Chosen basically make no progress in the mall. Mm -hmm. Yeah, very true. I know if I was Ryan or anyone... And uh, Celine would have said that to me. I would have been like, that's cool. That's fine. You can do what you feel like you think is best. But when this is over, you will be on trial. <laughs> <laughs> no. Taking mental notes on oh. everyone who is not for the war cause. <laughs> Sorry. On this case, in this case, you clearly have something about women with either babies or babies on the way. I have to do it. She's going to be on trial. Trudy's going to be on trial. Um, well, May will be on trial. Tyson will be on Tyson. trial. Yeah, Tyson <laughs> will definitely be on trial. That's a whole separate trial there. Oh my god, <laughs> Ellie will be on trial too. 
I like the exploration of the emotional allegiance to a belief that a lot of them are struggling with. Um, because I, I, I like the idea that, I mean, if I were a mall rat and I just had the last two days they had, my struggle would be like, do I stand up for what my dear ones have died for? Or do mm -hmm. I give up and play along and their death is in vain? It would feel like an emotional betrayal to them. And I can see people struggling with that. I'm not saying what the right answer is, just that that's a believable struggle. And I think a lot of them go through that. I think a lot of them yeah. spend their chosen captivity, sometimes even questioning, what am I still fighting for? Oh, yeah, I'm fighting for the ones who fell for this belief. Not fell for the belief, I mean died for this belief. It's my emotional allegiance to them, you know, and um, I like that. Yeah, no, you, yeah, you have a point with that, because, I mean, think of someone like Ellie. If she had gone along with it in the first place, Jack would not have been taken away, because he would have gone along with her. So she would feel too guilty to join them right now, because her you know, her opinion about standing up to them and try to escape and everything is what got him taken away. It's a great scene. It's a great question. It's a great conflict. Believable. Yeah. And this, this was a great time to ask the question. Mm -hmm. Do we just play along? Now, obviously, not everybody can play along and not fall for it. And that's something I think May hasn't considered. Because, you know, she's just a survivor. She's thinking of herself. She knows she's not going to fall for this crap. She's done it before, mm -hmm. but not everybody is that strong-willed, you know? <laughs> and mentally and, uh, stable. Right. And not everybody has the same vulnerabilities that can be plucked at and the same people who can be used against them. You push them further than they planned on going when they said, I'm going to play along. And uh, we see that, which I also love, that different people who decide to try and play this game play the chosen have different consequences because they're all in different circumstances you know they have more to lose or less to lose may doesn't really face any consequences for playing around with the chosen this time you know and but celine has severe consequences for playing along with the chosen mm -hmm. you know on and on everybody it's a little different for them casey doesn't have any consequences for playing along with the chosen but trudy does and uh I mean, it's arguable. Does Tyson have any consequences for playing around with the Chosen? You know what I mean? It's just like, mm -hmm. because everyone's in a different circumstance. And so it, as much as I say, yeah, if they join as a group, they would have had a better chance to beat the Chosen as a group or at least get out of their current situation and even escape. There's still these other, the, you know what I mean? You're opening up a whole new can of worms. Mm -hmm. Once you've got everybody in there, how easily some of them immediately fall the propaganda and how others are like no nah, i'm just i'm still playing i'm not i don't believe any of this crap you know what i mean mm -hmm. so i i just i just i lately like the way this is being handled thus far that brings us to our final thoughts well what is this that's your hobby robbing people's graves i put that ring on amber's grave this freak has lifted it hey hey look it's just a ring not any ring it's amber's ring i know it anywhere this ring was a gift from our tribe leader. Oh, sure. What's her name? Eagle. Did she just swoop down and snatch it up? Wait. Eagle once had another name. One that she was known by in her other tribe, the tribe that abandoned her. What are you saying? Her name was Amber. 
catching up with Pride, Bray thanks him for his help, but turns angry when he realises that Pride is wearing Amber's ring and accuses him of stealing it from Grave. Pride tells him that it was a gift from his tribe leader Eagle, but that she used to go by another name, which was of course Amber. So panel, what did you, how did you react to this revelation? Nope, nope, nope. I just, nope. I didn't think anything about it because I knew she was dead. I was like, oh, another character named Amber. <laughs> no. Okay. My brain just went, seriously, did they do that? Loathe as I am. This is painful. You guys know this is painful. Okay. Um, as loathe as I am to give credit to anything in the Amber Resurrection storyline, I will say this is a decent setup for it. Mm-hmm. Oh, that hurts. Oh, it hurts so much. Oh, <laughs> I can just feel your pain. This conversation <laughs> is very organic, and I I like the fact that Pride's necklace has not been made noticeable until this scene, so it makes sense that Bray sees it and immediately notices it. I even like the fact that they played on something they never knew they were going to do back in season one when they gave Amber that ring. They had no idea that its distinct look would be so useful later on. <laughs> because, yes, you would recognize that ring anywhere. You know, um, I, I like the immediate reaction Bray has to that. You're a grave robber. You know, I mm-hmm. it's one of the few scenes where Ebony, who's trying to hide something, it actually works, mm-hmm. you know, where she just wants to get away from pride. So this guy's a grave robber. Let's just get the ring and leave. She doesn't want you mm-hmm. to press this any further. Even the expression on Dal's face as he's listening to what Bray is saying, looking at the ring, recognizing it himself. You already see the wheels turning in Dal's mind. It's great. It's great. I even lo- I love Lex saying like, you know, what else did you steal up there? Because there were two graves. My wife was up there too. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. yeah. it's a good scene. It's painful. It is for me to say it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> that hurt, you guys. No, no, it, it was a good scene. It, I know. <laughs> <sighs> oh man, I, I strained a few muscles. <sighs> I would love to hear people's reaction to the scene who just know, don't know anything about the tribe and they just watch season one and two and then they just watch this. Because I feel like you wouldn't think this is going to happen. Like it's real. Because I was blind to all of it. Uh, for for me, the, the end credits gave this moment away where it was going. Well, yeah, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't watch any end credits or opening credits from the show because... I just watch so much TV. I, I just know those are spoilers. So I just, I was completely blind. Yeah. We were just like, how did she survive? <laughs> I was like, why did she survive? You should be dead for purposes for the show. You should be dead. Because this was my first real introduction to the storyline. Cause you know, I still didn't know that Amber had actually died. I had just figured out that her and Danny were separate people at this point. This was my introduction that she died. I was like, oh, you know, because at first I was just like, what's the big deal? What's going on here? And then, you know, when Bray says, I left that on her, gra- her, her grave, I was like, oh, oh, my gosh. Like this person, she died. Oh, OK, this is getting crazy. This is getting really intriguing here, you know, because um, I had no idea that she was dead. <laughs> I was just like, oh, I wonder where she'd gone to. <laughs> Can't wait till I rerun, you know, get to the end of season one, you know, and see what this Eagle Mountain thing was about. Because... <laughs> Whatever. I don't like that her name is Eagle, though. I think that is really lame and cheesy. 
especially the way Pride says her name and that nobody catches on to that. <laughs> it makes sense. It, 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 but I, I don't like the name. I just, it makes sense. <laughs> I don't she like her. died and was reborn on Eagle Mountain. It's the good animal name. It makes sense. I get it. I just, Maybe you hear spirit animal. It works. I mean, yeah. compared to all the other names we get from the guys, I think, I think it works. <laughs> No, it does. It still feels so cringy to me. <laughs> Especially when they play the the scene of the eagle in the sky as they say her name. Mm. They, they, it, it just works. It's a tribe. <laughs> no, I know. It's just like <laughs> I know the whole storyline is ridiculous. I know it's awful. But yeah, that that part works. <laughs> yeah. Mm. As much as I hate to admit that, you're right. <laughs> I did love Pride's delivery in that last moment. It was really good. I, I know it, it really sold it. Like, yeah. Her name. Hold on, but she did have another name. Yeah. <laughs> well, I thought that shut everything down for me. I was like, "Are they trying to say what I think they're saying?" And he's like, "Her name is Eagle." I'm like, "Oh, okay, so not Amber." All right, we're good. <laughs> but I, I even love how he drags it out for the drama, the dramatas. <laughs> Like, wait, she did have another name. And we're all just hanging on. Like, I love that. It was like, wait, hold on. I'm not a thief. Hold on. Let me explain. So, <laughs> it was handled really well in this scene. Like, the previous scenes we've had of Ebony's, like, shining everything down, I didn't like. But this scene really worked for me. Yeah. The more I think about it, the more I like the fact that we got that little ring scene for Lex and for Titan earlier in this episode. And then this. Yeah, that's a nice connection you've spotted. Never noticed that before. I will say, this is one of the few times in the show where they've used jewelry that has meaning, <laughs> that it actually makes sense that this jewelry has meaning. You know, because they'd already taken the time to set up the jewelry. Unlike Tysan suddenly having a ring that's super <laughs> important to her that yeah. so it can get lost on her wedding day. Like, Amber's ring had... the earrings. Uh, yeah, like, this, I was like, okay, that is a nice use of a prop that was just something that happened in the past, you know, and that scene between Amber and Bray was also just one of my favorites between them anyway, when she, he gave her the keys to his heart and she gave him the, her dad's ring. And, I really liked it the first time, but not the 20 other times the scene know, was replayed. <laughs> the ring going back and forth, her leaving his keys when she first broke up with him. Just, you know, I just, I did like that, you know, and I was like, oh, okay. The, this is cool. Like in context, you know, not the first time I watched it because I didn't understand the context. But after seeing everything, I was like, that's really nice call back to the ring, mm -hmm. you know, and um, Amber's habit of giving the ring to people who are important to her. So that already sets up pride as someone important to yeah. Amber mm -hmm. because he's wearing her ring. <laughs> And or yeah. maybe she just gives it to a bunch Ooh. of guys. Okay. Yeah. For me, it was he gives it to the guys. Women do that. Oh, and it really digs in even worse for Bray. Like not yeah. only was it shocking, Can he imagine this, yeah. he had to leave this ring with somebody who died that he loved. He couldn't even carry it with her anymore. He wanted her to, it to be with her and to see someone wearing it. And obviously, just assume you stole it off their grave. What kind of person are you? Would desecrate, you know, a grave site like that, and then to realize that she might be yeah. alive. Then to hear, and she's alive. not only was she alive, she found her ring, and by all this time she's been alive, she gave it to another man. Like, yep. Oh yep. my gosh! 
I mean, he gave away his heart to, to the first girl he met, but <laughs> she wasn't supposed to if she was still alive. That's what Bray gets. <laughs> he has had a really bad day. I will just say that. Like, this is yeah. a rough day for Bray. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. I'll give him that. Like, I oh mean, my god, Poor guy was tortured and then almost burned. That is not a revelation I'd want to have. Um... Mm. Forget about all the Danny stuff. Forget about all that crap. This is not a revelation I'd want to have after the day Bray just had. I wouldn't, I'd be like, yeah. wait, yeah. what? I would be so close to losing my mind. That is a lot to throw at someone. <laughs> yeah. yeah, come on. Yeah. His, his, his freak out is legit. <laughs> I'm going to kill him. I'm going to kill him. I don't even want an explanation. I'm going to kill him. I don't know why you have that ring, but you're going to die. <laughs> you may have just saved my life from burning in the flames, but... And yeah, I love Dow's final shot. He's like, she's alive. <laughs> you can see in his eyes. He's just like, he believes it immediately. He's, yeah. You know, like, I'm, I'm just thinking what must have gone to poor Dow's head. With a, so she did leave. She did make it on her own. Well, maybe if you'd taken the time to see if there was a body, Dow, you would know. You would have gotten confirmation that your best friend mm -hmm. was gone. Sorry. I'm giving this scene props, but the scenes that come yeah. after <laughs> somehow somehow come to the other scenes. I don't know how we do it. We're gonna do it. But in a bubble, this scene is really good. Yeah, no, I agree with you. This whole episode's been really good. Um, yeah, I was like, this is a solid episode. Yeah, entertaining. Yeah, very good. Good direction. Great writing. Awesome acting. I, there's very little for me to pick apart or not like. I was like, this is great. <laughs> Ebony mm. looks incredible. Except when she's sneaking around. Am I the only one who hates a sneaking Ebony? She just looks like she's very concerned about her nails the whole time. <laughs> I'll have to I'm pay attention next time. I don't know. The heads yeah, up. she has like Way this pedicure that's like, <laughs> it looks like it just been done. Her sneaking always just looks like you should be spotted a mile away. <laughs> but she's Ebony size. She can't be spotted. Um, but yeah, cool. <laughs> that brings series three episode four to a close thank you very much to the panel and if you'd like to take part in a future episode of the podcast please use our submission on our facebook page or our website thetribe.co.uk so we'll see you next time for episode five until then bye bye later days bye